by the way, Chinese President Xi Jinping is in the United States today, in San Francisco, as a matter of fact. He and Joe Biden just shook hands at this very high stakes meeting. We're going to talk about it coming up in the three o'clock hour. But I, I just find it very interesting that a city that has such a homeless issue for a city. I remember doing a story with a number of years ago with Frank Beckman. And the story was there was an app in San Francisco that you could track. Well, the 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 hmm, I'm not sure how to put it. The uh the little presents that some of the homeless people leave around the city of San Francisco. Uh, I often find those same presents in Henry's diaper. Uh, I'm, I'm Miraculously, Xi Jinping's in town. They were able to clean it all up. But on a normal Tuesday, nada. Can't keep the city clean. Interesting. Also, $2,000 a plate dinners at this high stakes meeting tonight. We're going to talk about it. Because it, it's pretty remarkable. First time Xi Jinping is in the United States in six years. Uh, first time in a year that he and Joe Biden have met. In the meantime, a, a pretty consequential decision yesterday uh, here in the state of Michigan that allows Donald Trump to remain on the presidential ballot should he not only become the nominee, but as he works through the primary system. Court of Claims Judge James Redford rejected arguments that claim Donald Trump is ineligible for the presidency uh, because of his role in the Capitol uh, riot on January 6th and uh, through the 14th Amendment. Robert Sedler is a distinguished professor of law emeritus at Wayne State University and joins us. Robert, it's great to have you. It's always a pleasure to be on. Uh, Why did Judge Redford reject these arguments in this case? He's clearly correct in doing so. <clears throat> Section 3 of the 14th Amendment was adopted in the wake of the Civil War. It disqualified members of Congress, state officials, any person who had taken an oath under the Constitution who then joined the Confederacy. The words used in Section 3 shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion, or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. Now, whatever Trump's speech was, it surely did not constitute an insurrection or rebellion. This is completely misplaced. It's an effort to use a constitutional provision that was never intended to apply to a speech. So Judge Redford's is clearly correct in the decision. I think it's a spurious case, and no one could be a stronger opponent of Trump than I, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to be objective, and I think there is simply no validity whatsoever in that claim. It's not going to go anywhere. Robert Sadler, uh, Distinguished Professor of Law Emeritus at Wayne State University, joins us. Does this set any sort of precedent? And I know we're talking about different states here, but in Colorado, in Minnesota, there are similar efforts underway. Um, how do you see those cases playing out as well? Because it, it, it seems like if you read the stories, those, are, those have more legs in those states for some reason. I don't think so. Again, at some point in time, the court, a court, has to apply the term 
insurrection or rebellion. And I don't I don't see any possible way of saying that Trump's speech, uh, whatever it was, qualified as an insurrection or rebellion. That the basic meaning of insurrection or rebellion is taking up arms against the United States or giving aid and comfort to the enemy. That's what the Confederacy did. It just has the provision has no application uh, to the present time. Uh, Mark Brewer, uh, who is handling the 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 lawsuit in this case, uh, of course, a former chair of the Michigan Democratic Party, Party, he's a member of the Democratic National Committee. He says that they'll appeal this ruling to uphold this critical constitutional provision designed to protect our republic. What are your thoughts on that? That's not the answer. The provision was designed to disqualify people who had engaged in the Civil War. Again, the word insurrection or rebellion. Now, whatever Trump's speech was, and I thought it was pretty pretty strong, but it didn't qualify for insurrection or rebellion. This is simply taking a provision that had historical significance and that has no validity today. It's a spurious case, and I expect that every court will reject it. If, let's say, for example, the judge in Colorado or Minnesota decides that Donald Trump won't be uh, beyond the ballot, where does this go then forward? Is there a way that the Supreme Court rules on this at some point? Uh, if a state, it's a state, we start with a state court. So if a trial judge says that Trump is, can't be on the ballot, that would be appealed to a state appellate court. Okay. Uh, I can't picture any state appellate court upholding it. In that unlikely event that this would happen, the case, the parties could seek review in the Supreme Court because it does involve an interpretation of the Constitution. But, I, you know, I usually don't say things unequivocally, but I do so here. This case is not going to go anywhere. Trump is not going to be disqualified under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Is there anything in the Constitution, if, if by your estimation the 14th Amendment isn't it, that would prohibit Donald Trump from, from seeking office once again? No. Uh, the rule is... A president can only serve two terms, while Trump has only served one term. We have a historical precedent for this. This was in the election of 1884. The Democratic candidate, Grover Cleveland, defeated the Republican candidate, Benjamin Harrison. In 1888, Harrison defeated Cleveland. In 1992, Cleveland defeated Harrison. And so, assuming that Trump is going to get the Republican nomination and that Biden is going to get the Democratic nomination, we will have a repeat of the third match between those two presidents. Well, it's an interesting case and uh, and one that we're going to continue to follow, but... 
I I suppose you've sold me. It's not a surprise that he's able to stay on the ba- ballot. Robert no, said, not, "Look, not at all." Thank you so much. I appreciate your time and insight as always. Call anytime. Yeah, nice you, talking. You to got you. it. That's Robert Sedler, the distinguished professor of law emeritus at Wayne State University. I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Because here in Michigan, while maybe this isn't a surprise, and as Robert Sedler said, that that the judge in this case acted appropriately, you've got the Mark Brewers out in the world fanning the flames. And and look, for Donald Trump to say, well, these are political hit jobs, Mark Brewer is a former chair of the Michigan Democrat Party. He's a member of the Democratic National Committee. He says that they're going to appeal this case to uphold this critical constitutional provision designed to protect our republic. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Uh, if you want to weigh in on that, are you surprised? Are you are you not surprised? Because it, for me, I'm not surprised here in the state of Michigan. But again, these cases out in, Colo- or in, in Colorado, in Minnesota, they do have a different vibe. They have a different tenor. So are you worried about those cases and and potentially the ramifications of those? 800-859-0957. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about some of the shenanigans that are unfolding in Washington, D.C. on Capitol Hill. I'm not sure I, I quite understand it. We'll get to your calls, your texts as well right here on WJR. Don't go anywhere. 